Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is Marcelino Dodge. We're show 28 and building. I'm just so excited as we have a wonderful, wonderful program today on IRS tax representation, uh, collections, enforcement there. Going to give a big shout out to those listening to this podcast throughout the world here, not just in the U.S., but areas like Korea and the Netherlands. It's so wonderful to have a worldwide audience. Never really dreamed that when I started this, but I really appreciate that. Anything that comes up, a topic that we're talking about today, or if you're looking at uh, anything that's come up in the past, any of my previous programs, you can always contact me through cashtracksfinancial.com or email, which is success at cashtracksfinancial.com, or even you can call me directly at 844-394-4287. Jumping right into today's topic, IRS collections and enforcement. Do you have unpaid ta- unpaid tax issues? Do you have unfiled tax returns? Well, if you fit into either of these categories, you could be in for a big awakening soon. Today is our guest. We have Eric Green of the Tax Rep Network and a managing partner in the law firm Green and Sklar's LLC. He's going to help explain these uh, collection and enforcement efforts. But here's a little bit about, about Eric. As I mentioned, he's a managing partner in the Green and Sklar's LLC tax law firm in uh, Connecticut and New York. The focus is criminal and civil tax representation before the Department of Justice Tax Division, before the IRS, and even before State Department of Revenues. Uh uh, Eric does lecture on tax topics for many organizations, including um, the CCH, the Insightful Accountant, Accountant, the NAEA, which is the National Association of Enrolled Agents, and the National Association of Tax Professionals. I've even had the privilege of taking some of his uh, continuing education classes, which have been very insightful. And Eric has had the opportunity to be uh, an adjunct faculty member at the University of Connecticut uh, School of Law, and as well as been training training accountants and attorneys to build an IRS representation practice through the Tax Rep LLC. That's uh, very exciting, and as well as hosts his own weekly podcast called the Tax Rep Network Podcast. And so, without any further ado, we're going to invite Eric Greendell onto the program. How are you doing there, Eric? I'm doing great, Marcelino. Thank you for having me. Yes, Great. As we discussed a little bit beforehand, and as uh, in our communications, we see IRS uh, enforcement is going to be stepping up, but yet we also realize that because of the COVID and other, well, the pandemic, basically, enforcement had, was, was really slowed down. But some, some people may think that it's not going to pick up at all. So, but what are you going to see happening here in the next uh, few, few weeks and even well, months? What do you... Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's very interesting. Um, you know, what most people are reading is, gee, the IRS is holding off, holding off. They're actually not. And, and what's interesting, uh, Marcelino, a few weeks ago, I think you did a program on um, notices of deficiency. Um, here, here's what we've been seeing, because I got to tell you, we've been very busy. Um uh, you know, in the controversy world, 2020 was, I hate to say this because so many people have been suffering, 2020 was a very good year. Um, the government, what they are doing is they're holding off on collection. And when we mean collection, you know, the levies where they hit your bank account, they've been holding off on that kind of action in a mass scale because uh, one, of so many people hurting, uh, two, it was an election year, so nobody... Neither Democrat nor Republican wants the government to go and start dropping the hammer on people right before they go to the polls. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, um, they can't levy the stimulus money. So in other words, um, like on on my podcast, I had Darren Guillaume, who is the the Small Business Self-Employed Division, uh, you know, uh, he's the Commissioner for Enforcement. And Darren was talking about, you know, they could, on a Monday morning, unleash two million levies. 
I mean, mm. they, 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 just, wow. they just hit the button and off they go. Except that the phones will light up and for the next five days, you'll have hysterical Americans <laughs> calling mm-hmm. about their stimulus money that got taken. And of that two million, they may have to release 1.7 million of them. So nobody wants to do that. So right now, the collection division uh, is holding off. Um, however, as you noted, uh, uh, which I thought was spot on, we're seeing lots of notices of deficiency, and what I think, and a lot of criminal cases. A criminal has been more active, at least where I am, um, than I've seen in a long time. And and I think it's because, you know, you watch the headlines like I do. In May of 2020, you may remember the Tigda report came out, and Tigda mm-hmm. said, "Hey, Tigda is the uh, Treasury." Uh, is the um, Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. They're the people that police the IRS. And they issued a report saying, look, IRS, you know, you've already identified, you know about 10 million non-filers, you know who they are. Many of them are high-income earning. Why are you not going after these people? And Chuck Reddick, our commissioner, responded by saying, oh, no, 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 don't worry, we're going after them. And so these, what we've seen is lots and lots of notices of deficiency. Not, what happens is, you, you know, and I know you cover this, so I don't want to beat it up, but they, if they have enough information, put together a substitute for return and issue the notice of deficiency. And it forces taxpayers to file in court, tax court or potentially get assessed and, you know, end up in collection. So uh, the government, I don't think it's, they're not resting on their laurels, but we have yet to see the big wave of enforcement. But it's coming. So, on some of these, have they been uh, doing the nor- doing the like the IRS filing of the tax return for them? Yeah, I mean, have we seen a lot of that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what what, what I've been seeing. So, so here's what we've been we've had in the last thirty days. I, because I, I looked um, before uh, you know yesterday, I took a look. I think we have filed 17 U.S. tax court cases. Now, I might file 10 a year. I've mm-hmm. never done 17 in a month. Oh, um, my goodness. That, 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 yeah. It, it's, and so, but, but what they are is taxpayers are coming in. They didn't file. And what happens is, uh, and I, I think you covered this in one of your earlier programs, where if you don't file and the government has sufficient information, you know, from W-2s and 1099s and, you know, third-party sources, they will, under, under Code Section 6020, they will create what's called a substitute for return, where they literally put together a return for you and send you the notice of deficiency, the bill, saying, hey, here, we think you owe X number of dollars, penalty and interest. You can either just sign and pay, sign and pay it, or you can file your case in the United States tax court 90 days from the date of this letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why, you know, notice of deficiency, we refer to it as a 90-day letter. And we've had lots of that where, client, where taxpayers will call, they got this thing, they're getting their records together now with their CPA or their EA, and so what we do is we will just get the case filed in tax court. Um, the client signs pro se, but we help them prepare, get it filed. What mm-hmm. happens if you do that 45 days later, the U.S. government will respond, right? And by the way, if, if, you're, if you're listening and you're on the receiving end of that, what you'll find is the answer is very unhelpful, very unenlightening, because usually IRS counsel doesn't even have the administrative file yet. So they oh literally my. just blanket, yeah, they just blanket deny everything, right? They, they either deny for lack of knowledge or whatever, but I, I mention it because it's, Taxpayers get very upset. Why are they denying it? Are they calling me a liar? No, they don't even have the file yet, but they have to say something. They're not going to admit mm-hmm. it, so they deny it. Normally, within two to four weeks after that, a letter will come from an appeals officer because what happens is if the case has not been to appeals, in, pursuant to the Internal Revenue Manual and, and the revenue procedures are IRS counsel, refer the case over to appeals, and let's see if appeals can get it settled. So at that point, they and their EA or CPA, or if they're on their own, can go meet with an appeals officer and get it resolved. All right. So just because you file in tax court doesn't mean you're litigating this, mm-hmm. but you do need to you, you do need to get it filed before it goes final. Mm-hmm. So is the the tax court filing then kind of a like a proactive protection measure to help you to keep the process going or? 
Exactly. It is. It, what we're doing is we're trying to get our foot in the door so that that assessment doesn't close out as final. Um, mm. And so, well, and, and here's, I mean, you know, and for a moment, let's assume that the client comes to you and it's already gone final. And this happens a lot, too. I'm mm-hmm. sure you've seen it in your own practice, where people will come in, they're in collection. You know, they, got the, they got the bill, they got the threat to levy, and mm-hmm. we'll sit there and we start talking about you know, options for them to resolve it, you know, like offers and compromise or installment agreements or whatever. And they'll make a comment that, I don't know why I even owe this. And, oh, that's interesting. Please explain. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you know, I got a letter and I sent all my paperwork and then I got this thing in my... My accountant said, don't worry, I'll deal with it. So he's trying to call. You can't get a human being, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I got a bill because no one filed in tax court. And so Uh now they've got the bill. You can reopen that. There's audit reconsideration. There's a doubt as to liability offer. The problem with those approaches, they well, first of all, they usually work. The problem with those approaches, what I would tell um, the audience is, the reason I prefer to file in tax court, right? First of all, it's not that big a deal. They're fillable forms. We get them filed. You're going to get to appeals and get it settled. All right. If, if it's purely a documents and getting the return done, you'll get to appeals and get it settled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not litigating the thing. Um, but if you don't do that and it does go final, you can request for reconsideration. You can file a doubt as to liability offer. You have to understand those are given at the administrative grace of the IRS. They don't have to. Mm-hmm. When I file it in tax court, I'm under tax court jurisdiction. The IRS has no choice. Ah. Even, where I've had a bad, even where I've had a bad appeals office, an, an, an officer, I, I had this about a year ago. I had an appeals officer that I don't know if it was the start of coronavirus and she was just very off. She literally just Deny, we sent all the documentation. She denied mm-hmm. it straight across the board and, and sent it back to counsel. I called counsel because they're going to have mm-hmm. to try this case now. And I explained this. They got pissed. The, 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 counsel, the counsel attorney was out of Indianapolis. Uh, it got pissed, and she said, can you send me the documents? And we sent it to her. She literally called me back. She's like, we're accepting it as filed. Done. C- cases closed. Stipulated decision. So one is hope ninety nine percent you get it done with the appeals officer. They want to get it done. I think I happen to get somebody who was in a bad place at a really bizarre time in our life. Um, mm-hmm. But if not, I can still deal with counsel because remember the alternative was Iris is going to have to try it. No one mm-hmm. wants to sit in court while I put in document by document and they're cross examining. I mean, it, talk about a waste of time. So. Mm-hmm. N- you're going to get it resolved. But here's the thing. I've got the leverage because there is a judge. And mm-hmm. push comes to shove, we can show up. And, and, mm-hmm. and tax court's not like real court, right? There's no jury. You show yeah. up. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, if you've never been, by the way, if you're an accountant or, or just interested in this, if you've never been, go to the tax court website. They're probably coming to a city near you once or twice a year. Go check out tax court. I mean, it's actually fairly interesting, but the judge is there with their clerk and, and their, you know, whatnot, and, and counsel's there. But it's a very small room with a handful of benches. There's no jury, and it, it's, it's a bench trial. And so you do have a judge who um, will oversee this. So I find, you know, 99.9% of the time you'll get it settled. And, and so it's safer to do it with, by getting it filed because of the leverage of tax court. If that is blown, there are these other options to get it reopened. But you do, I have to understand, you are to a, to a certain extent at the administrative grace of the IRS. And you get someone with a, who's having a bad day and you may find you don't get it reopened. So that's fascinating. That's actually kind of new to me because I haven't been working much in representation work. But actually a tax court filing then basically, you're not actually actually going to end up in tax court you just make the filing to help with some administrative and paperwork procedures so that it doesn't actually end up there it's, it's kind of right. what it sounds like to me it's in, in yeah, the way you're exactly. explaining it it just gives you additional leverage as you try to solve your case as compared to just dealing with the administrative level of the irs is that does that sound correct my my conclusion that, that is absolutely that is absolutely correct what i explained to the client say look we're going to file this 
the goal is not to litigate this, all right? So I, I know what you're thinking. Oh, my God, $50,000. We're going to litigate and the lawyer's depositions. Chill, all right? It, you know, if, if it's purely documents, we're going to file this. We will get it settled. But, but here's, I always read my clients the riot act. <laughs> Say, you know, what I don't want them, because here's what I don't want them to do. And I'm sure you've seen this, too. They come to you, like, let's say it's an audit, and you're like, yep, no problem, we can handle this. They start smiling. They leave your office thinking it's your problem. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's <definitely laughs> you, Mr. Taxpayer's yeah. problem. I got my own problems, right? You know, so, in other words, we'll get it filed, but at that point, I'm reading them and their CPA or EA, the Riot Act, saying, I want this stuff in two weeks. I want it in my office. I want the draft return. I want to be ready to go because the best outcome will be when we're prepared because sometimes I'll get stuff where here are my expenses and they literally handwrite on a piece of paper. That's not going to fly. I said, you're effectively under audit now. So you need the backup. We may have to reconstruct, you know, uh, forensically we can recreate, we can go to vendors, whatever we need to do, but that takes time. Mm-hmm. You can't show up two weeks before the hearing date and then and, and start dropping this on me. So from the moment we are, we are involved, we are riding them. Let's get our ducks in a row. Let's get everything lined up. And when we hear from the appeals officer, I call up and say, this is a no-brainer. Here's what happened. Sent in the documents. Someone burned it to heat their house. I don't know what happened to it. It went into the, black, the IRS black hole. We have it all laid out. Can I get it over to you? They're usually like, no problem. Happy to see it. Send it over. They review it. They'll call us and discuss it. They may just agree, may have more questions, whatever, and we just we come to a resolution. And the way, the way you get a good outcome, mm-hmm. everything from basically from your tax return to an audit to your offer and compromise to your tax court case is preparation. It's mm-hmm. being prepared, and the best way to do that is to sit down, pull it together, look at what you're missing, and know you've got the time now to hustle and fill in the gaps. You can reconstruct. It. You are allowed to. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Remo- Listen, records get destroyed. Yes. Things get lost. It happens. Mm-hmm. But you can't be doing that at the 11th hour across the table from the auditor or across the yes. table from, from, you know, from IRS chief counsel. So the best outcome in any facet of, the, quite frankly, we could ar- almost argue any facet of life, uh, but the best outcome comes when you are prepared. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we get it filed to keep it open, but um, it's, we're a long way from done. So we can get yes. this resolved, but we've got we to gotta be um, pressing that. The same taxpayer that couldn't be bothered to file isn't going to mm-hmm. suddenly get their stuff together. So <laughs> we need to help them. <laughs> Yes, definitely. And what it sounds like, at least in my dealing sometimes with the IRS, is that if you have, if you're prepared, like like you said, you're well prepared, you have all your information, and you have a reasonable IRS person, which the majority I've dealt with have been pretty reasonable, except obviously that one you mentioned earlier, most of the time they, it turns out pretty good, at least in, in the dealings I've had in uh, not, not as complicated cases as what you're working with, but still, if you can give them what they need, they're usually pretty good if you just follow the guideline there and go with it. I mean, at least that's been my experience most of the time in dealing with them. So preparation, I agree with you. Preparation is totally and documentation. If you have everything, and as you mentioned, recreating it as well is very, uh, very, very important if you need to, which we know disasters happen, computer crashes, all of that. So, But yes, preparation is so vital and that, that can make actually your life and my life easier as we work on these things, try to assist clients to fix these problems. But as, uh, as you've been in the tax business, I've been in the tax business, oftentimes it's getting cooperation from the clients, the hardest part of it. So, Yeah. Oh, listen, I got to tell you, if um, for anyone who's listening, who's interested in IRS collection, I, the, the most difficult part about IRS collection, you know, my tax rep members, the people I'm helping like, grow their practice and build their practice, I tell them point blank, it's not the process. That's easy. I mean, give me an hour. I'll teach you the collection process. It's very linear. Very, mm-hmm. it, it's very confusing to people, Marcelino, who've never done it because it seems sort of random. But when you actually lay it out, it's very linear and makes a lot of sense. It's not the numbers. Give me a couple hours. I'll teach everyone to do an offer and compromise. It gets accepted. It's a formula. Yes, there are rules. You've got to understand the rules. That's why most fail. 
but it's not that complicated. The worst part about IRS collection is the client themselves because these tend to be people who are very good at whatever they do, right? They're very good landscapers. They're very good carpenters or chefs, whatever it is that they do. They just don't have their financial stuff together. They've never gotten their financial world together. And um, when, once you move into collection, you need to play by the rules, right? You need to be make your estimated tax payments or have the proper withholding and file on time. And that, to me, is in many ways the most difficult aspect is taking this person who has never been in compliance, possibly, mm -hmm. and getting them into compliance and keeping them in compliance. Um, you know, so often it's the taxpayer themselves who is struggling with this that, that becomes your biggest challenge. Yes, definitely. I just know that and just trying to get them straight, getting stuff just prepared in the right way to even file their original tax return. Or even just ones who are compliant, but then you got to wrestle with them a little bit to get them to get their financials in order so that you can actually read them to be able to <laughs> prepare a tax return with them. So that's definitely there. Now, one thing I did want to ask you is that if they happen to miss this tax court filing deadline, what's, what's the options there? Um, you know, I mentioned it briefly. What, what, what you can do is um, you can request either audit reconsideration or, or file what's called a doubt as to liability offer. Now, uh, of the two, I personally prefer the doubt as to liability offer. Um, one, because it's an offer. So what happens when you file an offer and compromise, collection stops, and the case gets forwarded over uh, to be reviewed. So I like that because with audit reconsideration, you can file the reconsideration. Um, one, collection doesn't have to stop. So now you're calling and keep getting holds on collection. And as we all know, calling the IRS is nothing but fun. Um, so it, there's, there's that aspect of it. The other problem I have with audit reconsideration is I've, I've literally had this where kind of the normal scenario, right? The person gets a um, automated under reporter notice, which says, hey, we think, you know, please send us your backup for these deductions. Uh, if you don't, then, you know, obviously we'll just deny them and you'll owe money. The person sends all their stuff. Next thing they know, they have a notice of deficiency because nobody looked at it and the mm -hmm. automated system just sent out the 90-day the, the letter. So now you request the audit reconsideration. Well, one of the things, and they don't file in tax court. So they get, now they get a billing notice. They come to you and you're like, all right, look, we got to file for audit reconsideration. You get it filed, right? The disputed issues form goes in. What you'll find sometimes is they will actually respond saying, you've already previously submitted this, it's not new information, and they deny it. Which, in the old, about five years ago, I would have gone off the rails, and I did. I would go to the advocate, I would call Darren's predecessor, be like, what the, and just go off, and they'd be like, enough, enough. Somebody just, you know, at one of these service centers said, hey, they already submitted a package, it's the same stuff, and they just deny it. Mm -hmm. I've had nothing but headaches with audit reconsideration. Now, in the end, did I get it to work? Yeah. But how much time and effort, blood, money, and sweat got spent doing it? With a doubt as to liability offer, I submit it. It's an offer. Collection stops. Now I have forced them to review it. They may just accept the offer. And usually what happens if they do that, they'll call you and say, Hey, Marcelino, we looked at your offer. We agree with you. Here's what we're going to do. We don't want to bother with the offer and sending in a dollar or whatever you offered. Please withdraw the offer. Once you withdraw it, it frees up the modules, and I can go in and just debate it. And, and, mm -hmm. and it's usually it's, it's faster and better to do it that way. But it is kind of a trust you trust me, I trust you kind of a situation, and I've never had them lie to me. The mm -hmm. negative to a doubt as to liability offer is you cannot get a refund because it's an mm -hmm. offer. Yes. So if you have a client that comes to you and they've been getting levied, you know, it, it's always fascinating. You know, the client calls and says, you know, I don't think I owe this, whatever. All right. And they're taking my, can we do something that they're taking my pay? I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, if you don't owe it, I mean, I would be going crazy. They've been levying you. How long have they been levying you? Two years. And it's like, where were <laughs> you for two years? I wow. would have, the first, the first time I got my pay got levied, <laughs> I would have freaked out. 
anyway, yes. now I have to seek a refund. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't, you really you can't you can't guarantee that's going to happen with the doubters to liability offer because what it is when you file that doubters to liability offer, it's an offer on the remaining balance. So sometimes yes. you file it and you get that very nice person who says, "Oh, we've been levying them. You know what? Withdraw the offer. I'll abate it, and anything you paid in the la- anything we got in the last two years, you can get a refund on." Right. Hmm. However, they could also come back and say, we agree with you. We'll accept your offer of $1, which is usually what I offer. We don't owe anything. But you have to offer something. And now the client's out what they were levied. The only way to get that money would be the audit reconsideration. Because if they do reconsider it and abate it, you know, from the date you file it, you can go two years back to get that money, you know, recover that money for the taxpayer. Um, so there are some options, but like I said before, you are relying on the IRS being decent about it. And, and again, I don't want people to get the wrong impression. They usually are. Bet, if you get that notice of deficiency, much better to file it in tax court and deal with it right then and there. Mm, yeah, not first, the first one, not the, the third or fourth one. Exactly. Get it down there. So I just want to clarify something here. You talked about the, the data liability. Now, is that... An, filed as part of an offer of compromise, or is that uh, a separate deal? Well, um, so for offers, there are three types of offers in compromise. Uh, the most common is what we call doubt is the collectability. You know, and, you, and everyone's probably seen those late night commercials. Mm-hmm. I always laugh about the one. It's like a good looking couple on the golf course. And they're yes. like, yeah, we settled you know, $10 billion for $1.95 or whatever. Yes. Um, so first of all, a couple of things. Uh, so first of all, those do work, right? But listen, if you're doing that kind of an offer, it's because you have no assets with any equity, and you're also not earning enough to even cover your minimum IRS allowable expenses. So like I always say when I give the talks for AICPA or CCH or whatever, is, you know, if my clients who do those types of offers, if they're on a golf course, it's because they're working there. All right. Um, I don't have country club people doing those kinds of offers. Mm-hmm. So that's the most common. But there are two different, then there are two others. There's a doubt as to liability, which is what we were just talking about, where it's no longer about your ability to pay. What you're doing is you're doing an offer, but what it says to the government is, government, you should accept less because I can show that I don't really owe this money. So this is now no longer about ability to pay. What this mm-hmm. is is hey, government, I don't owe this, here's the backup, right? It, it, it's very similar to audit reconsideration. And then there's, this, there's a third type of offer, which is called an effective tax administration offer. But, um, but yeah, so it is a quote-unquote offer and compromise, but it is really, it's, so, it's much different than the routine okay. collectability offers that you and I probably do, um, where we're going and saying, hey, my client can't afford to pay, here are their finances, let's make a deal. This one is, it, it's an offer in the same sense it's through the offer program. These are going to be actually driven not to collections. These are going to head to specialized people in audit, in exam. Ah, and, okay. and, and it's Excellent. effectively a reconsideration where we, can, we want them to compromise the liability because we have the documentation and can show that the client doesn't really owe this money. Okay, great. Thank you for that wonderful clarification on that. I remember seeing that on the form as I've looked at it, but that's just very enlightening and a good tool definitely that can be used there. I'm going to take a short break now, and when we come back, we're going to come back and uh, discuss a little bit more about the criminal tax cases and uh, some summonses regarding virtual currency there. So let's uh, look forward to talking to you all again shortly here. This is Marcelino Dodge on the Tax Answers Advisor with the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Each year you file taxes, save money, spend money, and run your business. You try to educate yourself and manage as much as you can on your own. But no matter how hard you search, trying to find the solutions right for you can lead to frustration and burnout. The traditional tax filing and bookkeeping approach no longer works. In a perfect world, the tax professional would work with you throughout the year so you have more time and energy to do the things you love. 
Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial believes you should focus on your job and have a partner to support you to take care of everything else. That is why we developed our personal success and business success bundles. Our clients achieve better results because we focus on more than just tax and bookkeeping stuff. We start with a no-cost mutual exploration meeting to determine if our success bundles are right for you. To schedule your free mutual exploration session, call 844-394-4287, email success at cashtracksfinancial.com or visit cashtracksfinancial.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. To reach our program today, please call in. The number is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to success at cashtracksfinancial.com. Now, back to the Tax Answers Advisor. Welcome back to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is Marcelino Dodge. Certainly appreciate you listening in on our program today, focusing on IRS collections and enforcement with our guest, Eric Green. Uh, thank you again for being here, Eric. Really been insightful so far. Well, no, listen, thanks for having me. So let's uh, touch on the increase in criminal tax cases now. What's, what's happening in that area? Well, like, like everything else... Um, you know, IRS uh, CI has not been asleep at the wheel. While we were all kind of, you know, hunkering down during uh, coronavirus, they kept working. So what was funny is, you know, I, I was it October? Was it 17th? When it, whenever the um, uh, deadline passed in October, I'm going by memory. I, it might have been a Tuesday <laughs> or a Wednesday. Within two days of that, I had 12 summonses issued on CPAs or EAs for records in criminal investigations. So it's almost like they had all these things going, and they said, you know what, let's let the accountants finish up tax season, and then we'll drop the hammer on them as far as you know, providing all these documents. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, CI is going um, all guns blazing uh, right now. Uh, as I mentioned, I think it, we started the program, um, I have more open, active criminal investigation cases at one time than I think I've ever had. I mean, you know, people are like, oh, you guys do criminal tax. We would get one or two a year. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like a massive part of our practice. There just aren't enough cases mm-hmm. that the government brings. I think I have nine or ten now that are wow. open and active. So it's, um, you know, and, and and then, I like I said, I, like like I got, like, 17 of them, 12 of them. It's, um, I got a bunch where I'm just representing the CPA who is not a target. We just, you know, they're responding to a subpoena or a summons. Uh, so we have a lot of that stuff going on too, but no, the actual investigations, um, IRS, uh, CI is getting very aggressive. And as you mentioned, um, before the break, especially in the area of virtual currency. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, we know they added they had that question on the tax return now. Have you done anything with virtual currency in the last year? And it's they're really looking at that really closely, especially with with the number of yep. uh, well, people investing in it now. It's it's an alternative people are looking at. So, of course, the IRS has to get its part in there. In fact, I know that some of the some of the places that sell them, that will sell it like uh, PayPal, they're now asking for tax information before you can sell it. Right. So they're really right. wanting no, to, to get the tracking yeah, on it. No. So, and, Well, you know, you can understand the government's uh, concern about it um, because, 
it, it, you know, uh, and you know, if, if uh, by the way, I would I would make a suggestion if people are interested in this area. Um, on A and E, there's a documentary on Silk Road. Silk Road was the dark website that it was like a drug bazaar. It was like the Amazon of drugs mm-hmm. on the internet on the dark web. And what made it so powerful, and why the government is so concerned about this, is that you use for the dark web you use a browser called Tor, T O R which is bounced through three different servers around the world, so it makes it almost impossible to track anyone. Wow. And then you, and then you add to it virtual currency where you can't see who's buying and selling. And it really is what made it so powerful and so difficult for the government to crack. Now, as it turns out, it was an IRS special agent, Gary Alford, that actually broke the case uh, I've had Gary on my podcast, and um, uh, but the the government is very concerned about this because it's it's difficult to control, um, both from just terrorism, narcotics, tax evasion. I mean, you name it. Um, and so the new uh, the dr- new director of the fraud office, uh, Damon Rowe, and mm-hmm. Hank Key is the um, director of field collections. They are very focused on this, but they're in a very interesting way. What they're doing is they're using the data that they got from the, the coin. I think in 2016, uh, the IRS issued the John Doe summons on Coinbase you know, for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone that had Bitcoin. What they yes. did is they took that and they took the information they got from FATCA about foreign assets and, and foreign bank accounts and they ran that comparing it to the 433As, which are the collection information statements, the financial statements, that were submitted as parts of offers and compromise or against taxpayers who listed the IRS as a creditor in their bankruptcy. And what, they're looking, what they were looking for is, has anyone done an offer and compromise that we know they had virtual currency, we know they had Bitcoin, or we know they had you know, foreign assets, and they didn't disclose them? The referrals from that list over to criminal is up 42% in the first quarter of this year. So the government is really focused on, I think, two aspects. One, the general enforcement just around, we don't know what people are doing with this, and that's, that's yeah. disconcerting, just, not even just tax, but just as a global enforcement aspect. But then you also have... Uh, evasion, right? E- both evasion for of income, but also evasion of payment, right? Those false coll- yes. th- those collection forms that are submitted, where they don't disclose the ownership of this stuff. And and as you mentioned, it's now a question on the 1040. It is also now a question uh, on the 433, which is the collection information statement. Yeah, and those statements ask for a lot of detail, and certainly people. It's sad that they would exclude that, but of course they're wanting to evade taxes, and this often leads to this criminal investigations. And one thing I, I've always uh, watched out for, and come up in some of my continuing education classes, you know you're in trouble with the IRS when a guy with a badge and a gun shows up. So that's uh, definitely something people just want to avoid. Don't even go there. Is what what I always try to recommend people. I'm saying you got to really get serious before you before a CI comes after you so with the IRS but sadly some people take it to that point and they just don't get it I guess or something you know I, I think I think part of it is um, you know so here you know here's the interesting Marcel I'll tell you the interesting thing about criminal tax mm-hmm. is most of the clients I have who become targets who, who, have, who have actually violated the law. Most of them never thought they were committing a crime. Mm. Uh, and it's not a joke to say what you hear a lot of is, well, yeah, but everyone does that. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. And no yep, one I hear that all the cash. time. Oh, yeah. No one reports the cash. All right. Mm-hmm. Or, or I filed the offer and I didn't disclose it. Well, I don't want to give them that. <laughs> Okay, I, I didn't realize it was an option, right? I mean, it, it's um, most of the tax criminals, very few of them are the Leona Helmsleys oh, yeah. of the world. 
usually they're people who either cash flow became an issue and they knew what they were doing is wrong, but, uh, or they're people who just kind of assume, well, you know, who doesn't put money, who doesn't put cash in their pocket, right? Yeah. Some of them think that some of them think they're smarter than the government. Well, I have it in virtual currency. The government would never find that. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? You know, um, uh, it, it, so it's, it's very interesting sort of the disconnect that people have. And in, in many ways, it's often shocking to them when, you know, when we're looking and we're starting to talk about what we have found, what, what we're looking at for a tax loss, and where we're looking at this on the federal sentencing tables. And it's almost like they wake up out of a stupor and they're like, wait, 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 you think I might go to jail for this? Uh, yeah, you committed mm-hmm. a crime. <laughs> and you start walking them through it. And I did have someone throw up literally on our table. Oh, no. Um, it, it, it's, oh, no, it's, um, I, I've had, and I have, by the way, I have had, usually they're preparers, the bad, the dirty preparers. Mm-hmm. I've had some real hardened criminals who've come in, sat down, we start walking them through it, and they just shrug, you know, mm. They got caught. You know, for them, it's just a matter of how, how cheap can I get out of this? Right? Yeah. You know, can we, can we cut a deal where the, the government agrees that they're only going to look at X, they're not going to look at Y, you know, if your guy will plead guilty? Um, you know, or, you know, what they call come in on an information so they don't have to bother with the indictment. Um, but, yeah, no, I, for most of, most people, they never thought of themselves as criminals. They don't, they don't think of it like, you know, my, my cheating on my return, that I'm committing a crime, and you are. I guess they say ignorance is bliss sometimes, and maybe that's just how some taxpayers are going that ends up in criminal. They just don't realize it, nor the ones that I talk to. Well, I got paid in cash for that job, so I don't need to report that kind of thing. So, And then, yeah. as, I, as I myself here on saying, well, everybody else is doing it, and I'm like, I don't care what everybody else is doing <laughs> or what they're reporting. Right. If you're going to do business with me, this is how you're going to do it, period. You know, we're not going to go it, there. Yeah, no, if someone's listening to this, here's what I'll tell you. Um, so here's what happens. If you've never been involved in a criminal tax case, um, the government is going to body slam you. There, there, there's, and, and let me explain. So they, let's say they, they find the, the person, the person is underreported. Um, over the six years to the tune of, you know, let's say 400000 then let's say the tax loss, the calculated tax to the government is $100,000 over those six years. Not, not a ton of money. If you think about, what, 15, 20 grand, maybe not even a year. So $100,000. Now what happens is IRS civil comes in behind them. Oh, so you ha- you, you'll probably get an order of restitution. There'll also be a fine attached to that that the court will decide. Right? So you have that that's owed for the restitution. Now what happens is civil IRS comes in, they're allowed to take the restitution and turn it into a civil assessment. On oh. top of which they will add the 75% civil fraud penalty mm. and the interest. So now the client's going to end up owing 250 275 um, And that now, because it's an order of restitution in a criminal case, there's no 10-year statute on that. And so um, they're going to then move to try to collect, seize assets. Most of my clients that have been criminally prosecuted come out on the other side. For the most part, they're financially ruined. Mm -hmm. I don't know too many people, maybe like the Michael Milkins of the world, where they're so big and it was, you know, I think he supposedly he stole a billion dollars. Um, and he ended up settling with the Department of Justice, like $400 million or something like that. So people are always like, no, oh, that's how he funded his foundation and all this other crap that he did. No, mm. Most criminals don't do that. Most of the criminals I know lose everything plus. Mm. Wow. So, in other words, get it straight as quick as possible and just basically don't end up in that position there. But Eric's there to help you if you need it. As it comes down to, so when do we see that IRS is looking to take off the collections of gloves, so to speak? Well, you know, so I, I, with in light of the fact that what they're telling us is, look, we're not going to levy, 
in any mass way. I mean, there are some revenue officers that in particular cases are being given the green light to go ahead, but for the most part, as a mass you know, organization, um, they're not going to do it till the stimulus money has come and gone. So just sort of walking through this, my gut feeling would be, I'd say by June, all of that stuff should have flushed through the system. Final notices of intent to levy will have to be issued. That gives you 30 days to file an appeal. I'm thinking we're going to see the levy start, I'm guessing about August, is my guess, is that in August is when we're going to suddenly see an uptick, when all of a sudden the phones are going to light up because people's wages have been garnished, their, their bank accounts have been cleaned out, and all of a sudden, you know, no one who wants to do anything now because the government's sort of like at the, asleep at the wheel, um, they're going to realize the government's not asleep at the wheel, that they've woken up and um, they, they need help. Mm. And then they'll be looking for someone to, to help them, definitely. Certainly um, that'll create that's, some opportunities. That's my pitch. I, Marcelino, I think there's no better time than now, first of all, obviously for the folks doing returns, get through, get through May 17th, right? Get, get through tax yes. season. Take a few weeks and just text your breath because this has been a hell of a tax season for mm-hmm. people who are doing returns. I mean, complicated, um, people are stressed out, it, it, clients are stressed out, the government is stressed out. Um, it, it's, it's, been, it's been one of the more brutal tax seasons that I've witnessed, you know, and I'm on the sidelines of it. We don't do returns. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that my advice, and the NATP has clearly picked up on this as well, is um, I would start, I would start um, ratcheting up my training and lining my practice up to be able to do representation more efficiently and effectively. Right now we're doing a lot with automation mm-hmm. in our CRM system for intake of clients to track everything. Um, we're already busy. I think we're going to get out of our minds mm. by the fall. I think we are going to be in full swing, um, just back to the wall, full speed, uh, dealing with this. Uh, in fact, we, we've hired two new people. We're, we're gearing up for what we're going to see is going to be a tidal wave of work in the representation. Everything from audits notices of deficiency, audit reconsideration, offers and compromise, making people uncollectible, liens, levies, innocent spouse, um, payroll tax problems, which are great. They're very, they're, they're very lucrative. Um, non-filers that maybe you, they get to you before the government gets to them and you can bring them in. Um, you know, it, it work, there's going to be work everywhere. Yes. Everywhere. So what should taxpayers be doing during this, uh, in this time if, they're, if they fall into any of these categories? Don't wait. Don't wait. I, I have to tell you, I know people are like, well, I, I don't think I have to do an offer now. Why not? Do it now. I would, I would deal with the government now. In fact, Marcelino, I'll tell you the truth. And, you know, if you have someone come to you and they're being levied, um, I can tell you somebody was ignoring the government. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's why they got levied. There's actually almost no reason to ever get levied. The moment you get that bill, let's say you file a return and you can't pay, the moment you get that bill, nothing stops you from picking up the phone, talking to the IRS. Um, you can get into a payment plan if you can afford it right there, right then and there over the phone. You can let them know you're going to file an offer, get a 30-day hold, get your offer and compromise filed. You might be uncollectible. By the time you, you know, that, that the bill comes and goes, a threat to levy, then the final notice, by the time all that happens, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so by the time the person gets levied, there's been a lot of opportunity to deal with this that got missed. So my advice right now, if you're somebody who is struggling, um, is I would get stuff into the government now and start working on your deal now. And it could be your uncollectible. It, I mean, if, you, if you're temporarily out of work or your business failed, Get deemed uncollectible. They'll leave you alone, right? They'll code you uncollectible. They'll back off. You don't have to worry about levies. And now you can focus on what you need to do, right? Getting your business up and going again, moving on to the next best thing. Whatever it is you need to do, uh, get going with it. But uh, I think the best advice right now is don't sit on the sidelines. Get in the game now and get it resolved. 
So as uh, as I try to encourage through this program a lot is take a proactive approach to get this taken care of, because isn't there aren't they ha- don't they have an easier way to set up collection uh, uh, payment plans now in, in to help to help get taxes paid if you can do a payment plan? Oh yeah, nope. The um, absolutely the uh, the uh, if if you want to get into a payment plan, it's never been easier. One of the things, one of the ways the IRS has really helped taxpayers during this aside from holding off on the levies, is if you owe, it used to be 50000 or less. Mm-hmm. If you could full pay over 72 months, you could just go online or call them up and set up an agreement. It's now 250000 So if you owe money, you can call the government right over the phone. You can ask for first-time penalty abatement. They can do it right over the phone, and you can set up what's called a streamlined installment agreement. Okay, and um, just like that, over the phone, knock out some penalties, get yourself into a payment plan, right? Now, when you call up, if they tell you it's a number that you can't afford, they can, you can ask for a hold and submit a financial and negotiate base. The IRS works, they, they only want you to pay what you can afford to pay. Now, the afford piece becomes a little interesting because they have standards. And often mm-hmm. we are living beyond those standards. But no, yes. absolutely, it's never been easier to get into a payment plan. Okay, good. And that's one of the uh, fine points I had seen through through not only your teaching efforts, but just through some of my own uh, uh, personal research that I've done. And I'm like, hey, that's just that's just great that they're they're actually making it easier to set up those those various payment plans. So uh, one uh, one last thing we just want to touch on here. Eric, because we really appreciate you being here, is that if someone wants to reach you to have you do some representation, how can they do so? Um, well, I, I'm honestly, Marcelino, like you, I'm actually a fairly easy person to find. I mean, I'm on every social media platform. Um, obviously, you can get me at my law firm, which is Green and Sklar's, gs-lawfirm.com. There's always taxrepllc.com. Um, but honestly, if you Google Eric Green and tax, uh, you'll find me. <laughs> That sounds like if you ta- if you um, do a search for Marcelino Dodge and Tax, you'll you'll find me too. So oh, yeah, great, absolutely. You, you you and I are not difficult guys to find. Yeah. So and we both like helping people solve tax problems. And my although my focus tends to be more on preventing the tax problems. If you work with me, yeah. so that you don't have to go to Eric. Not to say I'm going to ever put Eric out of business, but uh, there's always going to be someone for Eric to help there, and certainly. And we know Eric's going to do a good job, him and his firm there. And again, we really appreciate you, Eric, being on the Tax Answers Advisor today. This is a vital topic that those who are in this situation, they need to be proactive, which is what, uh, through my program, I always try to encourage ones to take a proactive approach to their taxes uh, by planning throughout the year, not waiting till tax time comes and then hoping for the best. No, I always invite ones to uh, visit me. At mycashtracksfinancial.com, call me at the 844-394-4287. Or if you have trouble finding Eric, you can call me. I can help you get in touch with Eric as well. Uh, I'll be happy to do that. And then, of course, the email, success at cashtracksfinancial.com. Again, this has been a, a fabulous time here with uh, with Eric from the Tax Representation Network. And we'll look forward to speaking to everyone again next week here on the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. That'll be on next week again at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week. 